warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... My name's Bex and I am a teacher from Cambridgeshire. I've had experience across the primary age range. I've also had experience being a deputy head and now I'm the leader of curriculum and teaching and learning at my school and I'm very excited to be with you today. And we are very pleased to have you, our listener, with us as we explore personal, social, health and emotional education with a folktale from Japan. So, for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest hats, sprinkle some fairy dust, and grab a snorkel as we dive, properly dive for once, into this week's story. Kind-hearted Hiroshima is exactly the kind of person you'd like to have around. He cares for his family and everyone on his street in Japan, and even rescues a turtle from the absent-minded actions of some children on the beach. But even Hiroshima is surprised when the ocean chooses to reward his good deeds. The turtle let Hiroshima slide off her shell onto the carpet of the throne room. Then she bowed her head to the sea king and said, Your majesty, I present to you Hiroshima, the noble fisherman who saved my daughter's life. Hiroshima didn't know what to do or say, so he bowed as well. The sea king was a merman with a tail as big as a house. His voice boomed as he said, Welcome, Hiroshima. A friend of the turtles is a friend of mine. We would be honored to have you as a guest here in the Dragon Palace. Make yourself at home and please join us for dinner tonight. Hiroshima knew he couldn't stay too long. He had to get back home to his mum and dad to take them their vegetables. He also needed to pick up some new clothes for the children on his street and some medicine for his elderly next-door neighbour. But this was a king, and a sea king at that. Hiroshima was sure his mum and dad would want him to enjoy the chance of an evening with such incredible royal company. They would love the stories he could tell them afterwards. So Hiroshima bowed again and said, Your Majesty, the honor is all mine. And Arigato Gozaimashita, thank you. I would love to join you for dinner tonight. And if you and your young learners want to see if Hiroshima makes it back to his family and friends in time, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Underwater Kingdom. 
There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an Epic Educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the magically majestic Corky Paul, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with Bex here by asking Bex, did this story have you swimming in joy? I definitely did. I just love this story. Particularly, my favourite part is where the description of the underwater kingdom and Corky's illustrations as well are just magical. So that's definitely my favourite part with the journey unto the Dragon Palace. But we'll tell you more about that later. It's a fantastic story. I, I've loved this story. I've known about it for a very long time and I'm glad that we're finally bringing it to this podcast. And... Yeah, you're right. Corky's done an amazing job turning those descriptions into really beautiful artwork. I'm sure this is going to get many children inspired, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And grown-ups too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's also a very complex story, a, a bit of a, a almost dangerous choice, would you say, to, to bring to children? Well, I'll, I'll ask you, what was the moral you saw in this story? Well, for me, it was definitely all about, um, so it's the kind of theme of kindness is definitely in there yeah. and what and the fact about one good turn deserving another. But mm -hmm. also, um, as I was reading it, we, you've obviously got the whole um, dream land and they're kind of like, and being present and whether mm. it's okay to be a dreamer or dreaming all the time and whether that's okay or not. So it also wrapped up in that you've got this theme of dreaming, this theme of kindness and one good turns and that good turn deserves another. Yeah. And then, um, and I like picking out the bit about um, rest as well, linked to the dreaming. So there's quite a lot we can explore for PSHE. Yeah, well, we'll definitely pick up on the, the rest part soon i'm sure the i love the idea of seeing the underwater kingdom as kind of like a dream world but you're you're right that it's it's sort of one good turn deserves another but in the end of course yoshima does not have a happy ending in this story or well maybe, maybe no. he does i mean he, he doesn't really remember anything so i suppose it's it's a completely ambiguous ending he gets a blank slate really but if you've followed him from the beginning and you know everything that he's been through then you can't help but feel sorry for him, can you? Because he, he doesn't get anything that he wants. He doesn't get his, his time with his family and friends. And he doesn't even get his underwater kingdom with his princess anymore. He, he kind of loses it all. So how would you bring this up with, with the children across the primary age range? I mean, would you actually use this story with children in the early years and key stage one? So for us, that's four to seven year olds yeah definitely I think like that's the magic of story I mean that's why storytelling is such a powerful tool for educators because any story can be used with any age range and that's why I love storytelling so much and stories that's why we have and you I here think, um yeah hooray <laughs> <laughs> um and I think that that for me like just listening to you talking about the story because obviously I've I've had a chance to have a look at it and pull out all, some ideas that we can use in the classroom or at home mm -hmm. um, but thinking about actually even encouraging the children to make the most of every opportunity like the story can lead to that yeah. um, that being a moral as well mm. that I don't I hadn't written it down but just <laughs> hit, listening to you speak I thought actually you could use it as an opportunity even for the younger ones to say like actually when a friend, you're not sure if you want to um, go and play with that person, actually make the most of that opportunity because it could turn into a, a brilliant 
friendship or a brilliant opportunity or mm. like with your older children um, in your year six who are about to, you know, do their last year of primary school, you can talk to them about actually making the most of every opportunity while they're at primary school and not missing out on things. Maybe even if he, he never gets his memory back, actually, he still might dream about when he's asleep, dream about his experiences. So... Um, it's better to have experienced something. I love what you're saying there. I mean, it is a great way to help younger listeners and younger learners, especially to just touch upon these really complex themes in a way that is really easy to understand. And not only that, but they are going to remember them because they've spent so long um, creating this entire world inside their head. For me, I think one of the biggest things that comes out from this story is the the sort of idea of rights and responsibilities and knowing obviously Hiroshima is very conscious of other people's rights you know he's looking after those people in his street he's looking after the turtle he's also sort of looking after the children even though they were playing with the turtle Mm -hmm. Uh, but he kind of nurtures a bit of responsibility by doing that he develops a responsibility by looking after the people on his street they start to depend on him And when he gets a sort of reward and he gets carried away and he kind of loses the opportunity to go back to them is kind of teaching you that you need to have some respect for those people who depend on you. You you can't ever lose sight of them. Yes, definitely enjoy the now, be in the moment. You can have too much of a good thing, I suppose, is a shorter, clearer way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think for, for children and and obviously, we always say for children and I always say for adults as well, because we all need mm-hmm. to, there's so much we can learn as well. But just obviously from very young, your children in, in your reception in Key Stage 1, so four to seven-year-olds, you can teach them about their responsibility of tidying away things mm-hmm. and um, making the classroom like a shared, happy environment and their responsibility in in that role in making the classroom a safe and happy place equally as much as your children who are in the junior school we would call it so your year threes and upwards so your eight to eleven year olds actually about and they can have a wider school responsibility as well so Mm. this story would be great to use if you've got a school council or an eco council as well Mm. as part of a discussion about you know the environment and also then how we can work as a school to be responsible for helping one another so it'd be a great it's a really great story there's so much to pull out of it so how would you do that then how would you start pulling some of this out i would want to talk to the children all about um the dream world that Hiroshima ends up in when he's um, underwater hmm. and um, all of the things that he sees and all of the um, experiences that he has, um, but also recognising that because he's in this dreamland, 700 years passes um, and when he arrives back on on the land, everything's obviously going to be different. The people mm. that he wants to go back to are not there. Um, so actually talking to the children, I mean, I'm thinking... First of all, let's think about the the older children, so our key stage two children, so our eight to 11-year-olds, actually talking to them about um, that it's okay to um, like go into worlds of your own that you've created or places of rest, um, but actually that you need to have an awareness of how kind of long you're there and be present as well. Mm. So actually teaching them that skill of, okay, my mind's wandering off over here. I should be listening to this this isn't an appropriate time to be in my underwater world in my dragon palace. I need to um, be present in the lesson. But also um, I've, I've thought quite a lot and I've been reading quite a lot about um, 
actually the way people rest. So I think I would like to explore that with the, uh, particularly the older children. So discussing the fact that it's okay to rest by going for a walk, for example, because I always used to think as a child and as a young adult that it was, um, you could only rest by kind of sleeping or being still. And I'm not a very still person. Um, I quite I enjoy being out and about. <laughs> I quite enjoy being out and about in the countryside and in nature and creation. And actually I've learned that that's a way that I rest. I don't rest by sitting still. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the, particularly older children, as they're preparing to go on to secondary school or as they're starting to go into key stage two, where they're kind of, um, so year three, that's a eight-year-old, um, where more learning will be happening and, it, and they'd have to start taking more responsibility mm-hmm. of their time and their week and managing homework and all of that before to prepare them for secondary school. I think them learning Mm. how to rest is really important. So I think that's where I'd start it with, kick off the story with the older, older children. Yeah, it's fabulous hearing you speak about that because I think I'm exactly the same. And I constantly have people saying to me things like, oh, you need to take a break, you need to rest. And, you know, if if you ask somebody who rests or, or just enjoys going out and being with people, for example, you know, going out and socialising, that can be restful or um, going out and, and playing some music or, or whatever, going out for a jog. I'm so grateful to you, Bex, for bringing up the fact that this can be a way of relaxing. I mean, I actually find my tax return relaxing because <laughs> it's something different. And I know that makes me very weird. But yeah, having that conversation with older children so they get to have a bit more self-awareness that that can only be helpful, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love a good form too. They're good. Forms can be relaxing, <laughs> um, but I think I think it's equally important for our younger children as well. Those uh, children in our mm. early years and key stage one classes, so four to seven year olds, because actually school's quite a tiring place for some of the smaller ones, and actually um, mm. teaching them about rest um, from early on can really really help them um, help them to focus and concentrate in school, help them to have a little bit of an awareness of. Um, I would always, often write in my reports like is. The, you know this child's great when they're not in their own little world and I thought actually I'm not mm. maybe I'm not teaching them that it's easy for your mind to wander off somewhere else and it's about um, having that understanding of you as a person and where your mind goes and how to get yourself back into the room mm. um, and I was thinking about continuous provision that lots of um, schools are adopting um, and in year one and in early years particularly and just thinking of maybe having some rest stations where they could come and they could rest in different ways and maybe having okay. some of their adults like um, teachers and from the school and maybe other staff and maybe parents and carers and people in the community mm. coming and talking about how they rest um, and then setting that up so the children can access rest as part of their their day. Particularly, yeah. I just think it's really, really important for the younger ones as well to understand how to rest well. Yeah, well, th- hearing you talk about this, Hiroshima does sound more and more like the most perfect story to to build mm. up a, a station like that, uh, especially if um, Hiroshima becomes sort of th- the example that gets you creating that kind of world maybe you could make your rest station like it's a kind of underwater kingdom almost with things that they can play with but also if they're one of those more active ones but also places where they could maybe take a nap or get comfortable if they want to read etc you could also have a little boxes in the same way that Hiroshima has to take a box away from 
the underwater kingdom in order to help him get back. So it, like you said, in terms of training your mind to make sure that you stay focused on what you're doing, you could almost help the children by saying, okay, when you're leaving the rest station, pack all of your um, fantasy world into this little box, put a lid on it, keep it with you so it's still with you. And that will allow you to focus on your work, your homework, your your friends, your time in the class, your teacher. Um, and then when you're ready, when you need to go back to the rest, that box will help you go back into this fantasy world. Yeah, I really like that idea. And I think it'd be lovely for them to have them even on their desks so they can look at it yeah. and remember. Because um, it's, it's lots of children we know are visual learners. They learn through seeing things mm. or um, and just a visual reminder on their desk that this is, you know, this is not rest time. The box is shut like it's learning time. And yep. yeah, it would just be like really great. And I, I've put things yeah. in children's boxes, that, like giving them little boxes on their tables before as a reward thing. <laughs> so you could maybe um, pop bits into their rest box for them to use, like even if it's tiny, just a little like you've earned some time in the rest zone or something and yeah, so there'd be so excellent. there's so many opportunities and, and I love the thought of creating the like rest area as an underwater kingdom and thinking about how you could use maybe the seaweed to make a hammock if you were needing to rest oh. by lying down <laughs> and just like the opportunities are endless absolutely yeah and it's it's a very calming ambiance isn't mm. it the kind of under the sea theme so yeah you can well it, it doesn't have to be though it, it can have all of the the action and adventure of you know things like the little mermaid and pirates of the caribbean the, the, the water is is such a malleable uh, allegory so yeah that that could work really well for all your restful types of children and in fact would you also consider doing that with some of the older children though um, so for seven through to eleven, do you think they would benefit from having a, an underwater rest space? Yeah, I think I think they definitely would. Um, I firm believe that actually, what works for an early years child will, can also work for a year six, and they're still a mm. child. And sometimes I think we ask our children to grow up in primary school a little bit too quickly and actually they still mm. like the play and the tactileness of of having like a a really touchy feely reading corner so like um maybe we could yeah. set up a rest rest zone as well and just even thinking as well about the staff um in the school so even using this story as part of maybe inset or um well-being because well-being and mindfulness mm. are a big a big part of our curriculum i mean it's it's now entwined into the pshe section of the national curriculum mm. for all children and then obviously you need to look after our staff as well and make sure they're resting too so maybe we have an underwater rest zone in our staff room as well with the power of the tides yeah underwater yeah underwater that would be fantastic that's all we have time for today folks if you try out any of these ideas or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners let us know on social media using at teach happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Hiroshima will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And, and we, we hope, hope to hear your story, story soon. soon.